0: I'm Ellen, and you're listening to The Curvy Pod. My mission is to share conversations with entrepreneurial-spirited women and discuss how they break through barriers to live above the curve and create meaning in their life. I want to welcome today's guest, Jessica
1: Medoff. Hey, Caitlin, can you tell us a little bit about how the two of you met? Hey, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Jessica and I met while performing Mamma Mia at Arizona Broadway Theater in Peoria, Arizona. Um, I was instantly drawn to Jessica's confidence and sense of humor during the rehearsal process. She continues to be an inspiration to me because of her ability to walk through the world unapologetically herself no matter what. Um, So that's how we met. A little background on Jessica is that she holds two degrees in classical vocal performance. She and her husband are creators of two original cabarets, and to quote the Herald Journal, she is praised as a performer who skillfully employs her trademark vocal versatility to wring out every drop of emotion. (laughs) On top of all this, she is a mother, and she has become a dear friend of mine. So I'm really excited to chat today, Jessica. Let's jump on in. Let's
2: go. Woohoo. Okay, I don't That's know the did. questions. That's
1: great. That's perfect. That's what because we wanted. Want right. Your true, authentic self, just right. answer I feel like I feel need feel. to close
2: my eyes, even though that has nothing to right. do with it. <laughs> you <laughs> all <laughs> do
1: that. You ready? Okay,
2: <laughs> we're covering our eyes. We're covering our <laughs> eyes. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So I want to know if there is a moment you remember in your life where you had a call to action in some way to like step into your power or face some kind of fear or something like that. To help so. you become who you are today.
2: I like... To assume that I see the good in people. And so, I've always called myself the benefit of the doubt girl. Hmm. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Like, the reason why people treat people poorly is because they are s- trying to deal with something in themselves that is painful.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: we can all relate to that. Um, but my father passed away on April 23rd and his memorial was on the 19th of May a few days ago. And... Even though I was a student of his by birth and by choice, because I loved so much about his academic knowledge, there was all these students that spoke on his memorial. And one of them said one of the greatest lessons she ever learned from him was to presume people's goodness, which is the same as saying I'm the benefit of the doubt. That's right. You were born that way. way more eloquent. (laughs) But but
0: But to think that someone said that and you're born that way. Even though you're
2: born with these like archetypal tendencies, you can learn. I think to say to presume the goodness in people requires empathy and patience. Uh huh. That's a
1: quality that you possess that is some in some way that you stepped into your own power because that's a great powerful. I feel like
2: trying to presume people's goodness immediately gives me the opportunity to not immediately jump to the worst judgment I can make. My call right now is to not judge this person as they are judging me, Uh but is to try and understand why they're in pain and why they are taking out their pain on me. Before I pull out my guns and make it an issue and defend and get defensive, etc., I try to think, how can I be empathetic to this person? There's a lot of times that the action that I have taken has been taking a moment Mm -hmm. and not letting my natural bitchy self take over and try and be empathetic. And say, I'm going to be cool. Right. And then I'll punch you in the face in a minute if yeah. we don't get over it. What can I control? Like, I'm a useless human if I cannot control my mind. I've got this. I've got this. And my best friend, we we're both opera singers, and he said, you have a teacher for your voice. You have a physical trainer for your body. You have a math teacher. You have a this teacher. You have a that teacher. If your brain is that important to you, why the f*** wouldn't you have somebody to help you with your brain?
0: It's so true. Right?
2: And I was like, oh. Right. (laughs) Huh. Yeah, it's not an embarrassing thing. Not even a little bit. No. Now I'm I'm like proud to be like, my therapist's name is Nolan. We see each other every (laughs) week over Skype, even if I'm not in the city. Didn't I not try to hook you up with him? You did. I was like,
1: ooh. (laughs) Or I just know I like you. To (laughs) be (laughs)
2: embarrassed or shamed by the fact that you need help with your most complex... Yeah, I'm going to say, it doesn't even mean, of. like,
1: help. It's like a refinement tool. It can really help your life yeah, become yeah. much deeper and peaceful. <laughs> and, and one thing I noticed when you were describing this, um, when you were saying that you had empathy and you had the ability to see the good in people, is that you also have the ability to witness yourself. So, like, I call it witness consciousness or something like that. But I learned this through my therapist in college. It was free. And I was so involved in my stories. Uh, they were me. My stories were just all I could identify with, but my therapist gave me the tool to be able to step away and watch my stories Hmm. and then decide if I wanted to believe them or make a different choice. And I think that it's so clear that you're able to do that. And I think that that's basically what what I was hearing. When you were saying you're able to see someone's story or see what they're saying, and then you're able to step back and be like, but what do they really need?
2: But you know what's interesting? I can't do that for myself.
1: Really? What well, working? On I don't
2: sp- know if I've taken the time to do that for myself.
0: But working on yourself is one of the hardest things to do ever, right? Our ego, our emotions are in the way. We can't. It's That's why we have to go see a psychologist, and we need that teacher.
2: Right. Someone to kind of be unbiasedly self-reflective for you. Right. And ask you to ask those questions that you didn't think to ask yourself, but are incredibly informative. Are you, and right. you
0: have to answer honestly, because they know. So yeah. my dad
2: is a playwright, and he wrote this play about Marilyn Monroe, and one of my favorite lines from the play, and I quote it to myself all the time, is, why do I lie to my therapist? I guess that's a question for my therapist. They're <laughs> 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 like...
1: Yeah, no, I'm thinking of this quote. They read out all these quotes of first. So we just did Mama Mia together at Arizona Broadway Theater. Booyah. I, booyah. We were the Dynamos. I was Donna and she was Tanya. And um, when she was leaving our contract earlier than expected, um, we had a night where the cast had written out all of her quotes throughout the contract. And but so one of a them, friend
2: of ours started this keeping list, a log.
1: And read them out loud. I missed my therapy session because I was wasted. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it just, it's not it just, That was the quote that started the whole quote line. But she's
1: so, she was like so matter of fact about it. Like, I missed my therapy session because I was wasted. And I thought, gosh, when you left that night, I'm telling you I went home and I was like, I want to be like Jessica. Like, you're just so you. You're so unap- unapologetically yourself. It, it enables you to be there for others and it and encourages people to just also stand in their power. But
2: the trippy thing that I learned on this contract, I've had to move around a lot for my husband's profession Um, He's a pianist and he's in academia. So obviously you have to move to where the academic job is available. He's got a wonderful tenure track position and I'm super excited for him. And I I, I urged him towards that. And I have not been held captive by his success. I have facilitated his success. But so when I was in Arizona, it was the first time that I'd been on a gig without my four-year-old kind of like... In this realm, particularly the character is very sensual and sexual and boisterous. And I was meeting all these new people for the first time. And I haven't been in a group like that for a while. And it was like I was a kid in a candy store. I was like hyper. And not putting on airs, but just so fully the parts of me that had been quieted. Yeah. That I was just like, I wanted to laugh. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to make jokes. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to go out and have dinner. I wanted to be silly and awful and sardonic and push the boundaries, which to me is not pushing the boundaries, it's just how I am. Or even on the serious side, like where you and I were gonna go with our concepts of of death and family and and spirituality and like to go from being a mom, whose focus is caring for others and making other people's lives smooth and happy and full of love and comfort, because I don't work when I'm home with my husband and my son, I'm there as a mommy to going to the polar opposite to being individual, independent, creative, artistic, sleep when i want, drink when i want, eat when i want. Like i don't have to make dinner for anybody. Like i barely ate. I'd be like, I don't know, I'm going to rehearsal. I'm hungry. I'll eat a power bar. That's my that's done and then we go drink wine and eat hot wings. Yeah. But it's it's super freeing, but i go to this like extreme point, but then i'm now on another contract here in New York after having spent a couple of weeks with my family, etc and i'm the same way so i'm like maybe that's not that extreme maybe i'm just so hungry for the process for the artistry for yeah. the community to be working with a group of people that i love towards a common goal that is going to change people's lives through theater right that is an enormously powerful thing it is that we do like it's our job i was job. just telling her like that's just our job that's just like what we do it's
0: yeah what i mind blowing what is interesting is that when you do anything that you feel passionate about, and you have that opportunity to do it, it changes your life. It gives you the opportunity to be that different person in that moment, and we all have different aspects of ourselves that we bring to our day. And when we're being entrepreneurial, or a business owner, or in theater, we have that moment where we are in charge, and we are controlling our future in a way that we don't need other people next to us.
2: It is. But then the question that I have is, then how do you balance that kind of reward and excitement and sort of being the center of attention a little bit because you're yes you're doing being being an artist takes a certain amount of selfishness because i have to hone my craft i have to focus i have to close out certain aspects of my life so that i can respect my colleagues and give them the focus of just being in that room yeah five o'clock okay at 501 now it's my family's turn and that's a very Oof. hard balance to teeter-totter on and I don't expect it to be easy but it needs to be noted that the effort is extreme
1: yeah speaking of being in the square, which I can relate to there is oftentimes I feel like I don't have the same day twice like I'm in a new city mine's a little bit different because I don't have a family to take care of right but all that aside what would be the perfect day look like for you
2: today uh-huh Minus my child and my husband, because they are in Mississippi. But I had a decent night's sleep on a friend's couch, which isn't exactly perfect. But I love those friends, and I was happy to wake up knowing that I was surrounded by people that love me. I went to rehearsal for a project that I'm super excited about. And I've lived in New York for a long time, but I've never worked in New York. I always go to these studios, and I audition. And I go in with this expectation and this hopefulness that I'm going to do well. And then, whatever the outcome, I leave hoping that they thought that I did well, hoping that they approved, wanting someone's approval respect, uh, affirmation, and then I go out onto the street and like, I don't know, go work a day job or try to find a friend to go hang out with because I really have not much going on. Now I'm in the city. I'm actually being paid to be in that rehearsal studio all day. And I have been seeing friends coming and going, having coachings, giving coachings, taking lessons, giving lessons. I'm like, oh my god, I'm actually like working in New York City. Have you it's always
0: um, been in performing and singing all your life? You've- yeah,
2: when I was a little, little girl, my father started a theater company at the New Mexico State University, and he was the dean of the theater program, so since like I was like five on, his office was the theater department at the university, so like any child, goes to their dad's office. Well, maybe not like any child. <laughs> I spent a lot of time at the theater. I got cast in the shows that had children in them. Then I started taking voice lessons and studied singing, was in the show choir, and I was a cheerleader, and I was a very much perform- performance-oriented as a middle school and high school kid. And then I went to school for opera performance, and then I got my master's in opera performance. And then about, what am I, I'm 40 now, so maybe when I was 30 my father and I started collaborating on his projects and it just kind of morphed into this really awesome trust and like homogenous voice of the two of us, me doing the things that I was good at, him continuing to do the things that he was good at and meshing those together with my drive and my youth and my living in New York and my abilities and my connections with his age and prowess and knowledge and body of work and all of those, those two things collided. And we made this kind of, like, humming orb that became the revival of Children of a Lesser God on Broadway. We made a movie in October that I was in that he wrote the screenplay for that my brother-in-law directed.
0: So it sounds like, actually, when the two of you were beginning your collaboration, that was really when you walked into your power. All that training, all the Mm -hmm. the years and everything that you were doing in that moment, it was like the beginning of
2: everything the, the amount of anxiety that was reduced in my life when he and I finally came together in the way that we both knew we would eventually, but didn't know what it would be. We're like, Oh, here we are. Okay, let's go.
1: Yeah. Let's let's get busy. So that sounds perfect. It's
2: so, it's so cool. I could never have imagined. So grateful.
1: So this was one of those good days, right? Where you we had,
2: Oh, that was my good day.
1: But what, what tools might you use on a day that isn't so good? A really tough
2: day. Alcohol. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: no,
2: it's okay. No, I'm not, it's actually, okay. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find it's very helpful to FaceTime with my son. Mm-hmm. He's four. He has this amazingly simple yet somehow poignant outlook on every situation.
0: Just breathe, mommy. Yeah, we're going to. He started
2: saying duh. Like, oh, I swear to God. I used to say that to my mom, and now I know why it was so aggravating. Just no. Oh, no.
1: Um... So do you have any advice that you would tell your younger self that maybe wasn't um, in her power yet?
2: I got the advice, but I didn't understand or believe the advice. But I would say it, be like, this is the advice that I got, so I should probably, (laughs) yeah, it sounds really good. This is good. I believe this. There's a highway. There's a back road. There's a frontage road. Mm -hmm. There's a toll road. Everyone's on a different one. You're going to get there at different times. You're going to have a different path but it's okay. We're not in a race. Did you feel you
1: were in a race at points? Oh,
2: absolutely. Uh And when I stopped trying to attain success in the craft that I knew innately that I was not meant for. Which is? Opera. Okay. I left opera. I was trying so hard to be on that road, to get to to the toll booth, to get to the bridge, to get to the stoplight, and everyone else was zooming by me. As simple as I can say it, the minute that I stopped trying to pursue something that I knew wasn't in my heart, the better my life got. Mm-hmm. So I was like trying to fit a square in a hole for so many years. Like, Why aren't you fitting?
1: Why did you feel like you, why, do you, why are you striving so much for opera? I'll
2: tell you why. Because when I, I grew, like I said, I grew up in the theater. What are we going to do? Are we going to do opera? Are we going to do musical theater? Because they're two very different paths. You need to decide. And I didn't have enough education about either of the fields in their true professional sense. I didn't know what it was like to be the people that I know now. Broadway, musical theater, hustling, dancers, like all the things you need to be to be a musical theater singer. I was kind of more familiar with what you needed to do to be an opera singer. So, because I was Mm undereducated. My look, my weight, my dancing abilities. And I was like, yeah, I better go into opera because no one in musical theater will have a really hard time because I don't fit the mold. No one will want me.
1: So you had some, I call them self-limiting beliefs at that time. I did.
2: And so I chose not to go into musical theater, which was my passion. And I knew it from the start. Uh Uh-huh. And while that may, at that time, have been true to me, there's no reason to ever choose a path. Right. Because you don't think people are going to want you. Because now I'm here in New York, 20 years later, and there are roles for every size human, every uh, color, every every hair type, every eyes, every buck teeth, no teeth, legs, no legs, wheelchair, deaf, blind. My father wrote a play about deaf people, I don't know, like, what What was I thinking that there was this, like, formula? Right. I think that really maybe what I regret, and I'm just thinking of this now, is that I didn't take the control over my desires enough to do the research, enough to go to the theater department and be like, hey, what does it take to be a musical theater singer these days in, right. in 1999? And it
1: is quite hard to do that at that age. It's not like you have right. all those skills yet, but...
2: And we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the... Yeah. I mean, so I got email when I was a freshman in college. So you would tell
0: yourself to basically have the guts to follow your inner passion Despite desires, right? That's Not true. just
2: to follow it, but to go find out, do experiments, try to be in a show that's outside of your element, try to do something you don't think you can do. You think you're too fat to be a stripper? Go be a stripper. See if people think you're hot. You think you don't dance well enough to go and audition for the dance team? Go and audition for the dance team. Like you don't know. Find right. the Which litmus. Which is absolutely like don't create what we're an unrealistic about. litmus.
1: Yeah. You don't know. And that's exactly what we're talking about with living above the curve. It's these belief systems that hold you back from doing something that you might be great at. Right.
2: Right. That have been created by people that aren't you. Yeah. Right. right. And who are just time. as scared as you to try. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we've heard you say a couple quotes though, but is there, are there any yeah. favorite quote or phrase that you've lived by or something? I do. Okay.
2: It's not mine. People say, oh, where do you live? Well, I live here. I live in Mississippi. I live there. My husband lives there. I live there. I, live there. I blah blah. One of them is I live where I, li- I live where I am, but then the other one is bloom where you're planted interesting Which are the same thing kind of to me. uh-huh like, See, why, I, w- ooh, I was thinking
1: of bloom where you're planted as like you know where you've started, but I guess you're right. Bloom no, wherever you're planted today or in this moment
2: yeah wherever if I'm in Arizona for two months, I'm gonna bloom there. I'm gonna do my best to take the environment and the nutrition and the emotional availability of all the people that I'm with in that moment, I'm going to use them to make me grow, to make me thrive, to make me beautiful, and to give them a part of me that is beautiful so that they can grow too or thrive. Not necessarily grow as in, like, become something new or is different, but inevitably we do by being open. <laughs> but just put yourself, yourself
0: in situations that maybe are a little uncomfortable. Hmm? Just try.
2: Yeah, try. Cause
1: and also, it's all about acceptance, really. It's wherever you are that day. Mm-hmm. whatever the circumstance do your best to bloom and grow and, and take in I've been in. having to
2: tell myself a lot these days cause like my father passed away I've been traveling a lot we stopped doing Mama Mia I haven't been being as active I've been eating more because I've been for whatever reasons and drinking more and exercising less and I'm like I'm doing a show now where I'm rehearsing in a rehearsal studio where I'm looking in a mirror all day and I'm like girl be gentle be gentle if you were, if, if Caitlin were going through what I'm going through right now, she was like, Oh my God, but my bag, the bag's under my eyes and my voice is so hoarse and I'm so fat. because you see Like I had to wear Spanx today under that dress that I didn't have to wear Spanx under him when we were in Arizona. She'd be like, Oh my God, honey, you are rocking it. <laughs> Chill out on yourself. But I don't do that. To, I don't do that for me.
1: But also it's so much I'm easier like, for me to do that to somebody else. But you know I what I mean? It's like have
2: have n- none of us do that for ourselves.
1: Well, I actually had a huge revelation the other day, uh, Yesterday. <laughs> because I was feeling I'd got just a couple of hours of sleep because I ended up having a late night. Really? I was feeling a little over <laughs> You were with me that night. <laughs> so, you know, it was, I'm just trying to spare everyone the details. It but was a all have wonderful
2: nights. night where we so reconnected. Much fun. Yeah. We made ourselves Some feel unexpected beautiful. adventures. Totally.
1: So then I had to wake up and, and I had a really long day ahead. I'm talking a gynecologist appointment, a chiropractic appointment. That's not the hard things, but then I had to teach two yoga classes, and I had a coffee date with someone in the morning. So it was just a long day. It was like a good 10 hour day, which I'm used to, but when you're on a few hours of sleep and like a few glasses of wine, (laughs) it doesn't feel great. But I kept thinking in my head, it was the first day, I think in my entire life, seriously, that I decided a hangover is enough. You don't need to add that extra guilt. (laughs) Can't you just already feel bad and then be nice to yourself? And it was
2: great. It here's, like made here's it so much okay. better. Here's a question from a person who <laughs> needs to stop drinking as much, but occasionally has a hangover five, seven days a week. I don't know. Um, why? Do, why do you? Why do you feel guilty for having a hangover?
1: Right. I was. Yeah. Why do we feel guilty about that? I don't. Helen <laughs> says I don't.
0: I, I willingly participated. Right. I, I went all in and said, "Yep, yeah, I know what I'm doing," and I'm. And that's Make a little rest. bit about
1: going back to bloom where you're planted. You're planted with a hangover this morning. So bloom, girl. It's a good way to use your quote. Shit, this you just really turned stout, that around on this me. This really smart woman told me this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so next time we all have a hangover, we need to say bloom where you're planted. I just kind of feel like
2: bloom where you're planted is kind of a cliche we see no, it on Oh, I love magnets. it. Now I really love it. We see it on magnets. We see it painted on little boards. You can buy a poster. You can, like, have a meme. I really like it. But I truly believe that. Like... Mm-hmm.
1: Embrace your hangover. Embrace your hangover. Embrace
2: your life hangover. (laughs) Slash remove hangover. Embrace your life.
1: So do you, speaking of indulgences and wine and fun nights, do you have a favorite indulgence?
2: I love getting massages and facials and getting my nails done and getting my toes done because I feel like that's such a stupid stupid place to spend your money.
1: <laughs> I don't think it is. I love it as, I as well. I can do my
2: own nails. I like,
1: <laughs> right. love it though. Well, speaking of that, you're using the word indulgence because you could do it yourself, but you prefer to get it done.
2: I feel like I'm using the word indulgence because somehow in my rearing, I was made to believe somehow that spending money on beauty was bad.
1: Yeah. Or the Even, word I was thinking was, ext- my grandma used to say it was extravagant of me. Yeah. And I was like, Grandma, but, but I like it.
2: But listen to this. So my hair stopped growing after I had my tri- my son four years ago, and I hate having, like, chin-length hair. I really want long, beautiful, luscious hair. So I started getting hair extensions a couple months ago because I did a film, and I was like, I want to have hair, but it can't be fake. Like, it's got to look real. I'm on camera. So I got nice hair extensions put in, and I've had them done a couple times subsequently. The amount of confidence that I'm afforded by just having fake hair, Hair. Long hair. I'm oh like, I want to delve in and look.
1: They're looking at the hair extensions. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they're, they're tape-ins, ladies. They're awesome. And gentlemen. But like... How do you they wash it? look beautiful. It? You just wash it. Regular? You just don't brush it hard. Yeah, so... and that, But like the trip about what I look like in the mirror, the, the, the result I get when I look in the mirror, I have no idea what you see. Right. No idea.
0: Nobody has any idea what anybody else really I sees. I know, but... So We're
2: truly our greatest judge. So if I feel beautiful, I feel beautiful. Right. Another Simple. full
1: circle, though, speaking of the word of indulgence, is that we use that word saying that this thing that I love is an indulgence, and oftentimes it's based on the belief systems of those around us that told people. us it was an indulgence. Right? I mean, that's
0: the issue what we have going on here. You know, where we have women, and in certain communities, like thick women are beautiful. And who's to decide that... They're not. Like different cultures have different ways of looking at women. Only you you can decide.
2: Barbie is beautiful. So I've had this body image thinking like I'm too big. I'm too plump. But now I'm kind of getting over that. And I feel really pretty in my skin. And I feel really sexy. And I feel sexually powerful. And that's something that I maybe never felt.
1: What? What do you think made you step into your sexual power at this point in your life?
2: I don't know. Part of it might have to do with the fact that I stopped singing opera and started doing what I really wanted to do. So, like, not necessarily that singing opera was making me feel ugly, but I devoted so much of my life to trying to attain something that I wasn't really passionate about that when I stopped trying to go the, you know, the square and the circle and, like, trying to become something I wasn't constantly, that freed up a whole, that freed up my whole system to be like,
1: your sex life no longer felt like a square going in a circle.
2: Right. I just need <laughs> to let right everybody chair. know that my vagina is actually a square.
1: Yeah, but I
0: think it's like it's it's in your 40s. You all of a sudden, you do. You come into your own.
2: Well, right. Do you feel that way? Like, did you have like an awakening of some sort when you turned Were you whatever? Were not
0: in your own? Oh.
2: <laughs> but I think people would ask that the same of me.
0: Yeah, but I, I just feel like there's just something that happens when you get into your 40s and you're just, you're just so like...
2: Seeing somebody who's kind of doing it all and coming to their own and a little bit mature and a little bit jaded but still rocking it it's hot it's sexy yeah. yeah yeah it is love it but it takes a minute to get there like I wasn't sexy like that at 25 I'm sexy at that now because you're there you have done the work yeah right I don't know I not these are These are thoughts that I've never had, so I really I love am not it. being very eloquent, and I'm eating this cucumber now. I love it.
1: Eat that <laughs> cucumber. So, so this is a kind of a fun random question, but All you've right. sung so many songs in your life, and do you have any songs that you just love that get you going? It could be a pop song. It could be an opera song.
2: When I get a song in my head that I cannot get out of my head, the one song that I can sing that will get every other song out of my head but will not get stuck is If I Loved You from Carousel. If I loved you
1: Time Thank you. And again, again I would try
2: to say I love it. <laughs> Thank
0: you for listening to The Curvy Pod. Let's
1: continue living above the curve.